Welcome to Dear Alice, a lifestyle approach to interior design. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dear Alice. Today, we are doing listener questions, part two, and we're going to be answering your questions. If you guys have any questions for us um, in the future, you just send them into Dear Alice at alicelanehome.com. We'll answer them here in this podcast. Perfect. So today we've got Corey. Corey Place. Peryush. Yep. Yep. What's going on with you, Corey? Sorry, MC. Um, you know, just uh, just working, enjoying life. Yeah. You know, I got back from Disneyland a couple of weeks ago, so that was fun in Laguna Happy Beach. Place so. on Earth. Yeah. I'd say best. that's probably your favorite place on Earth, wouldn't you? I, I, yes, it is. And I've literally been racking my brain to figure out why because it is really a madhouse but i love the energy of it uh-huh. i love people like that's why i love new york city too actually yeah. i love just walking the streets yeah. it's like mm-hmm. i don't know and operationally like when you go to disneyland like it and, and if you go i'm gonna bounce this back to like if you go to another amusement park or anywhere else yeah. that runs like a large group of people it's so inferior mm-hmm. disneyland like when you come in, you're like, did it rain? No, they've just sprayed every single piece of concrete. So it just feels like everything's been brand new. Everything's been washed away. Everything's uh-huh. clean. You never see anybody taking out trashes. Like everything is beautiful and someone is attentive at all times. So I'm like, to the CEOs of Disneyland, I applaud. Yes. It's such a beautiful experience. Here's the other thing too. Like, I don't know if everyone knows, but I do product development at Alice Lane. So I'm, I've, we've been doing that for like five years, Jess. Is that right? Something like that? Oh, damn. Probably like... Yeah, probably. I mean, with the designing and trying to find the right people and mm-hmm. yeah, there's, we did it for a long time before we finally were able to start selling it to people. So yeah. Yeah. So since we've been doing that, I've really grown an appreciation for like the depths of levels that you can drill down to, to really perfect yeah. either a product yeah, or, yeah, or just every detail. The, yeah. yeah like the experience. The tailoring of a sofa, the sit, the, yep. the opening of a drawer, the knob, every detail. And it just goes it down. It all like, matters. Yeah. The, yeah. the fill, uh-huh. you know, like the foam that's, you know, un, like in the middle of the fill, yeah. uh, the springs, everything. So walking through like Disneyland, like they really, every detail that they have, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, like, Utopia. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Re- it really is like to the font yeah. of what, where, what their lands are called. And I've picked fonts out for like bands and stuff before you should go through a million of them and it's the hardest thing to, to nail and they've nailed it. So yeah. it's impressive and inspiring. Lots of cheers. So yeah. Do so, you have a Mickey Mouse tattoo, Corey, please? I do. Yes, yeah. you do. Okay. Yes. All right. Proof positive. Yeah. He loves proof Disneyland. Positive. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we know. This is Sue. <laughs> That's awesome. Sue, do you have a Disneyland tattoo? Sure don't. But if I was going to get one, that could be a really cute little one. It uh-huh. would be. It would be like really D. filled in. Just oh, the D of this. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. The thing I don't like about some Disney stuff is that it's kind of cheesy. I like the retro yeah of it so that like retro i would get an inconspicuous tattoo okay like the constellation of like Disney a or something stamp. on the background there you go there you go you're welcome Low back. <laughs> above your frayed denim shorts <laughs> when your shirt rides up you can read it uh, i see you I think, sue i know i see I you know. sue hall yep you got me girl yep no uh, i think it's true because like we both are like in this like young kid stage. And so like, I, I just probably so over it, but I like send her like little clips of Disney movies. I'm like, I'm bawling my face off. Did you see the end of meet the Robinsons? I'm looking into adopting as 13 year old foster kid. So cute. Anyway, it's, but like, Oh, it's just, yeah. Every good lesson can be taught in an animated movie. It's I will true. tell you what. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's who raised me. Honestly, Judy yeah. was busy. Me too. She yeah. just threw on the TV. So I'm such a good human just because of Walt Disney. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Oh, shoot. Back okay. to Walt Disney. <laughs> and Jess, Jess over here in a really great hat and a really fabulous trench coat because it's <gasps> fall, everyone. It is it's fall. officially fall. I'm always chilly. So I, I always have to Low have thyroids. some sort of layered. Low thyroids. Am Diabetes. I right? Yeah. yeah. All the autoimmune diseases. I'm sporting she all of them. makes it look really cute. Well, thanks, Sue Hall. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, we're happy to be with you guys. We're going to answer all your questions now. Okay. First Part one. Two. Could you please share the thrift store in North Carolina that you like to shop at? I just moved to NC and mm. love to thrift. What? So You're you. so lucky. 
Yes, we will. It's called 213 Modern. 214 Modern. 214 Modern. And that's what they are on Instagram too. So you can follow them if you don't live in North Carolina. Yep. Everybody needs to get out their Insta face and look it up. Type in 214 Modern and you will be able to see anything that's coming in or they'll give you like little store tours around. So it's in in New York too. It's in High Point. So depending on where you move to in North Carolina, you might have to drive into High Point to see it. Yeah. And the cool thing about it is they have, I'm pretty sure they're open year round and they have several different vendors in there. So like if you tap on a picture, it'll, it'll show, you know, dinner antiques or whatever. And so you'll go to follow them and you can see what new stuff they have. Cause they go on like traveling shows too. Yeah. You know, so you can kind of like thrift from afar wherever you are. Oh my God. It's like a song. Yeah. Jeez. Hit it core. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Anyway. Oh yeah. <laughs> have <Sorry>. fun. <laughs> Uh, next one. Can you tell us what colors you do recommend for the exterior of a home, specifically brick, since you all think white is overdone? Mm. Thanks. Okay. Well, on the spot, let's see. Yeah. It depends um, on the style of your home, yeah. I believe. Right. So yeah. depending on what you're trying to build, I mean, cause so many things are going on for people right now, right? Like the really modern ones you could work in board form concrete you could work in you know really smooth stuccos and choose any or any range of organic colors for that I think and then the landscaping is the hero and the windows are the hero and um you know maybe you have a rock foundation mm-hmm. um beautiful roofs these days roofs um all different types of material tile um terracotta shakes so there's like so many different textures that come out to play in this Definitely white's trending and those lighter organic notes are trending. Gray is out. So don't paint your house gray. You're going to want to stay away from any cool tones because um, everything's warming up again. Mm -hmm. The 70s are really hot right now in fashion. And so there's a lot of notes um, that you can take from that. But for a home, I would say if you don't go too white, then you're not going to be kind of stuck in this time capsule when everybody drives to the neighborhood 20 years from now and is like... 2020, you know, that house was extreme white in that period. And so I think you can still go light, but just don't go as white as the quote unquote farmhouses Mm -hmm. of today are. And And don't paint it all white. If you have a foundation that's rock or concrete, like let that Mm -hmm. be, it's a natural color. Yeah. You know, and then just paint a portion of it lighter to like make it fresh. And honestly, like we can all say like colonial homes, any type of home, white is a very classic color, right? Mm-hmm. It's just at a such optic level right now and it's everything and they're painting everything white. Yeah. And then the contrast of like the super black windows with like black garage door yeah. and right. I mean, that, that's parkour of yeah. exteriors guys. It's just yeah. really intense. The contrast. Yeah, it is. So I would say, yeah, I like the light and like we've done dark too like on brick mm-hmm. up in seattle and it was really really cool black actually yeah, yeah. black indeed um but i think it also depends on your neighborhood it depends on like your demographic like look around and see what mm-hmm. like will blend but if everybody's a brown house you don't have to paint it brown like go ahead and do an organic lighter shade i would probably yeah. say yeah yep be organic yep I hopefully love that. that helps The next one is, do you have any suggestions about how to create a beautiful and unique home without accumulating too much stuff? Do you make yourself get rid of things as you acquire new ones? That's a good question. I feel like she's talking to me. Is she talking to me? <laughs> I, I, I actually, me. I actually, for some reason when I was reading that, I was like picturing your basement because I know like, oh like gosh. we, I, like I give you new product all of the time just I to know. say, you know, take it yeah. home and see. So I'm like, what do you do with it all? I know. I've got a furniture graveyard in my basement. (laughs) I'm too embarrassed to have a garage sale, but I just, I really wish somebody would come over and just rob my basement. (laughs) I want to come down one day and it just be empty. That'd be my dream. Oh no. I know a drone guy. I have a a storage room. I should say it's like an unfinished portion of the basement, which we could actually build like a mother-in-law apartment in or something. It's just an opportunity waiting. So it's as big as my garage. That area is, but it's below the garage and I have a three car garage. That's a lot of space. Wow. Yeah. So there's everything, everything, everything from holiday to my old house to whatever, but you can have a warehouse. But I do, I feel like I know I do. I could. Um, and I don't know really how to use the, um, Facebook marketplace or whatever. So I 
No. It's they just a, they, you wouldn't like it. It's just a challenge. <laughs> you wouldn't like it. <laughs> it's just a challenge for me right now. Dark. But um, <laughs> for the upstairs of my house um, where we're living, um, I do feel like I want to thin things out and change because I want more and more to be more edited. Um and just to have less stuff. I feel like I have a lot of stuff. So the good news is we're moving into a new building and I have an office and I have shelving there and I'm taking, I'm like thinning out all my books and all my things and I'm splitting all my stuff in half and I'm gonna bring half of it to a new location, which I'm really excited about. But I also have a sister-in-law that loves my stuff. And so I say to her, hey, Amanda, do you wanna come over? And I've got a trunk full of clothes for you and I've also got my basement. So <laughs> I usually just give, I just give things away to whoever like wants it. Or if they start fighting over it, then there's a bidding war and maybe I make a hundred bucks on something. So that works out great. But, um, I guess back to the question is, do you have any suggestions on how to create a beautiful, unique home without accumulating too much stuff? I think you constantly have to be moving it around to stay fresh, right? Yeah. And, and be collecting things that are like truly unique and beautiful. Right. But if you have fewer things. Yes. Right. But they're like, you have one sculpture and it's great. Like, it's amazing that you don't need stuff on the rest of the console. If you mm -hmm. have like, it's a couple really great things. Yep. You know, and, and that should be rotating and be fresh. And then, yep. but if you do not like, just like if something stops you in your tracks mm -hmm. and you have to have it and you don't know what it is, but like brings you complete joy, mm -hmm. it probably will replace something else and there will be an edit. Yeah. And there's also something about um, getting older and living in a home and collecting things is that your taste changes mm -hmm. and what you love changes and like what brings you joy changes. And so maybe at one point, you know, like, I made this point a million times before, but there's this builder we work with in Texas that says people that are in their twenties and thirties want these traditional homes. So they look really successful. And then people like in their fifties and sixties want to build a home that's contemporary so that they look successful. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny that it's like flip flop of what you think it would be. But if you're going from a really traditional home and then you're going to move into a really contemporary home, well, that tells you right away, like that they're just like, off with its head. I want none of it. Mm -hmm. I'm over it. I'm over all of it. I've already lived Burn that it. way once before, you know, and we've yeah. worked with a couple like this where it's just very spare, very Scandinavian. Um, all the things that they loved once before, they're just like, you know, light Those a match. Clutter. Yeah. Those they're like so over it. So I feel like our taste is going to evolve and change and what we find successful and what's beautiful to your eye and your travels or something really meaningful. You're going to pick that up and you'll be able to find a place to put it in. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to recycle things out. Maybe you're good at selling your stuff. Maybe you're going to donate it to a younger sibling that thinks it's amazing. It's going to become your birthday gifts for empty, the next yeah. couple of years. We have an empty home and no wall. Like, yeah, no totally. The There's always a way for it. Nothing's too precious that you just, you know, that you have to hold on to everything you've ever bought. Yeah. Nobody does that. Yeah. And don't hold on to it if it's not great. I think same thing with obviously yeah. your clothes. Like you get rid basement. of all of it, right? Nothing in my basement's great. No, yeah. You yeah. get rid of the clothes that don't fit. Yeah. And yeah, you're just tired of. So yeah. And then I think you get better as you get older and you train your eye to like really appreciate quality. You start to gather things that that are such their quality and their, their memory makers. And, you know, and if it's not, and then other things that you've had for a long time that like do nothing for you, look at it. You're just like, you're disposable. Mm -hmm. That means it's disposable and like to replace it, like take it off your shelf until you can find something that's great. Yeah. So otherwise you'll never replace it. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm replacing stuff from home goods sometimes. So yeah, for sure. Cause it has no, probably yeah. very little emotional pull. Yeah. Right. Definitely. No story. The stuff that does is always going to be there, yeah. you know? So They're evergreens. Evergreens. Find, find accessories that are evergreens. <laughs> Good job. Oh. Did you know that 35% of adults report experiencing poor sleep quality? Let me put you onto something that is going to transform your sleep. Cozy Earth Bedding is temperature regulating people. This is huge. If you and your spouse do not sleep at the same temperature, which most people don't, I'm freezing, my husband's hot. This is a massive benefit and breakthrough for us when we started sleeping on Cozy Earth. You can both sleep on the same mattress with the same sheets and be completely comfortable. They also have a 100-night sleep trial guarantee and a 10-year warranty, which I don't know of anybody that does this. They're that confident in the product, and so am I. When I first touched Cozy Earth products, 
I could not believe the soft hand on it. It also almost has like a cool feel to your hand. To your um, hand, it's like slippery dolphin. Like your feet swishing around is so so addictive. I can't sleep with anything but cozy earth sheets. I'm obsessed. Um, also, you need to treat yourself to the ultimate comfort with cozy earth. I love the sleepwear. I love the sweats, and the bedding is amazing. You can prioritize your self care your sleep health, if you just head over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code DEARALICE for an exclusive 35% off. You guys, we don't have to wait for a sale. You can use this anytime. Again, the code is DEARALICE for an exclusive 35% off. Better sleep awaits you with Cozy Earth. Gosh, let's cross-stitch that. Anyway. The next one is on breakfast nooks. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the built-in bench, shape of table, etc.? I have one. I love it. Um, what do we say, Jess? Is yours a 90? 90. Okay. Yep. It's, okay. um, it's basically when we order it, it's basically two benches and then a corner unit. And mine is more of a bench. It's um, fully upholstered, you know, eight-way hand tied springs, the foam. Oh, dang. I have a leather seat That's and amazing. then the back seat is, you know, upholstered in this really beautiful black and white knit. Yeah. It's yeah. really, it's really fun. Um, but I did a leather seat on it so that I could wipe it off. Cause my kids were, you know, like elementary school age when we moved into the home. So, um, yeah, it's like the most comfortable seat in the house to wow. be really honest. And I love, you know, like I was just working on a talk that I was going to be doing this weekend and I didn't sit in my home office. I sat at the banquette and I have it. It's surrounded in beautiful big windows and it's so peaceful and it's so comfortable. It's more comfortable to me than my sofa for some reason, but it sits like a sofa. It's yeah. just not quite as deep. It's a little bit more upright so that you can eat at it. And then we have like two or three kitchen chairs and I have a round table. So 90 degree banquette, round table, a few chairs on the outside. And for some reason we can fit way more people in there. Because I only have a 60 inch table, which means you could have six people dining at it if they were in chairs, but I can slide. Five, I'm going to say five if their host chairs like have arms. Yeah. Cause I bought six for my 60 inch. Yeah. This is a side note. I'm sorry. I'm hijacking this, but yeah. it just looks too cluttered I do like with, five. with six yeah. Yeah. around it for me. So what I'm trying to say is though, I have piled in a lot of little bottoms in there. Mm. Like when all my nieces and nephews come over I can see Stack so many people in that banquette because yeah. it's not like an individual chair with arms and legs and everything else. It's just bottom to bottom, you know, mm -hmm. the biggest thing that you have to contend with is how many plates can fit because their little bodies just kind of fit in there. Yep. It's so cozy and comfy and we sit all night and we talk in it and I'm a big fan, I guess is the answer to your question. Um, and I, we always say that in every woman's heart lies a banquet. Yeah. Like we all want, <laughs> we all want one. Uh -huh. It's in the corner of our mind at all times. One thing I will say, like your table has like a pedestal base with it. Whenever you're dealing with the banquet, just make sure you have a pedestal base Good point. so that you're not dealing with like legs that you're trying to like hopscotch over to get to the corner seat and, yeah, but we love a banquet because the bank it's has so like cozy. a sliding motion that you're like getting in, sliding in for more people and you don't want to have to be the one straddling a leg. So yeah, that center. We were actually just looking at some plans today for the architect sent over and trying to just like adapt them and do our thing. And he drew this banquet in this like little window box and he had a U-shaped banquet. I hate that because mm -hmm. someone's going to get trapped in the middle and the back, like the bottom of the U. And I'm like, so we just clipped off the wings and just had like a straight bench. And then we'll like, but it's still built in. So you still get that feeling of it just like being, cozy. you know, cozy and tucked in. And then we'll put the table and we'll put chairs on the other side. Yeah. Just ease of getting in and getting out. So I would look at that. Yeah. If you're really discerning and you want to do it really, really right. And, and you have the budget for it. I would say, do not have your builder build in a box for you to make a cushion on and have there be no back. Like you're just like leaning up against the wall. That's not comfortable. That's yeah. not Time what I'm out. talking about. That's like the chokey guys. Yeah. You want to buy a real piece of furniture for that. That is, like I said, it's spring loaded. It's, you know, or eight way hand tied. It's fully upholstered. It's high density foam pitch. that you've got a pitch in the back and it's the right seat height. Um, it's a different experience than sitting on a built in box with just a cushion on it. Nobody yeah. wants to stay for very long. I've seen that more than I've seen the furniture lines, but we carry and it. And we've torn them out more. We do. We tear those out quite often because people live with them. They're like, this is not comfortable. Well, and then they think they need chairs because chairs are comfortable. You're like, no, no, no. This is like a big extended chair built the exact same way. 
It's a sofa for your dining room. Yeah, it's, it's I'm going to really tell you, great. it's expensive, yeah. but it's the favorite piece of furniture in the house. Yeah. So, and um, we have one company that's made to measure, so you can make it up to any size every two inches wow. is the increments they can do it in. Um, and then there's another company, um, Highland House, that also has a new banquet that's yeah. so freaking cute. We just bought it for the so new showroom. Beautiful. Oh, is good. it like I'm built so in? Like, or mm, you, you, it's freestanding. You, oh, so it's finished okay. on the back, which is nice because a lot of times your window might be dipping lower. Mm-hmm. So if you have a finished back, you're sitting comfortably. It looks pretty from the outside. Dang. Yeah, it's, it's really lovely. And like really the furniture piece, I think is the way to go. Cause like. Yeah. Your builder's not going to know what pitch to do that at. And it's, it's not going to finish gonna nearly a, as lovely. No. Yeah. You end up tearing it out. You're going to be ticked off. Yep. Yep. Agreed. But this probably isn't a, you're not a Highland house rep, so I don't know if you, but do they make that in multiple sizes? I'm asking um, for myself. A lot of them will customize. Yeah. Yeah. So. They're made, they're called kind of made to measure and you okay. can do them every two inches. Mine is from Hickory chair. It's, um, anyway. Yeah. And mine actually, the two standard sizes, I didn't have to go any bigger than the standard size. And then the corner unit is its own piece. And then they have alligator clips and clip together to make it a solid piece. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. That's so awesome. easy. Yeah. And I remember a rep told us one time, like when we were looking at, cause we we're like, why is this so expensive? And he's just like, well, if you look at like a banquette, right. It's like on tall legs, it has like a really comfortable seat. It has a comfortable back. It has the same amount. The banquette has the same amount of legs as a sofa, mm-hmm. you know, like, but we have to finish it even more tightly and more detailed than a sofa. You it's, know, mine so is the same, same with a chair, like all, a sectional. I think yeah. I paid like 16 to $20,000 for my banquette. Yeah. Um, it's probably 16 back then, but I, you know, of course this was seven years ago. So, um, it's like the same price as a sectional. It's the same amount of labor and work, um, for it. It's maybe less fabric, but that's about it. Yeah. But it's, it's labor intensive and Mm -hmm. like everything's finished. It's finished on the back. It's comfy than a sectional. It's not like, like really heavy down to the floor. Mm. It's leggy like a chair, but and everything else is super comfy. Have you ever regretted a day living in the house? Not at all. You'd pay that again. Yeah, I've actually replaced my dining chairs, but I haven't replaced my banquette. Yeah. I've only replaced them because we've made new ones and I wanted uh, to Okay. I wanted yeah. to live with our new ones. Totally. So I think I have Fletcher there. Buy it's, once, cry once. And so those are yeah. down your old yeah. ones are down in your warehouse? They're downstairs in my garage yeah. warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> those are actually still really cute, but I have no no need for Jesse's warehouse liquidator basement. <laughs> somebody somebody save me. If you have any ideas, Jesse's deals. Please make a comment. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. We're going to auction them off on Instagram one episode. Should do an Instagram live or something. <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Shoot. Uh, you don't like oil rub bronze. Why not? And is oil rub bronze just one type of bronze? If so, how do you feel about other bronze mm. finishes? Very intelligent. I yep. love this question. Mm-hmm. We don't like oil rub bronze, but we do like bronze. I love bronze. And I've heard when we were at Arteriors, just barely at the last market we were at in April, mm-hmm. Jen, who's always educating us on latest and greatest, what's newest, what's hottest, what's trending. Yeah. She said it's, it's not about, um, mixing metals is no longer about like a silver and a gold. It's about a bronze and a brass. That's the new mixture. Mm-hmm. And so it's not oil rub bronze cause that looks black mm-hmm. and it looks like 2003, and there's it, like a red rub through. Yeah. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like bronze. Like if you've ever seen bronze, like the actual patina of it, like any real metal bronze steel, mm-hmm. they all have like this really interesting warmth. And you know that if it gets scratched, it's going to be the same color through and through. Yeah. It's not painted. It's not plated. And I think when we think of oil rub bronze, it's just like this fake coating mm-hmm. on top of a tin can. Yeah. And it know? looks horrible after it, a while. There's like a red rub through on the corners and it's things. Like, and it's so. like the old front doors in the year 2000 and they did a naughty alder door and they did a oil rub bronze um, doorknob oh, yeah. situation. And it's like worn through. And, and it's seeing, lightweight. Yeah. Bronze is heavy. Right. It's like forged and welded. And mm-hmm. like, you can see like the seams. And anyway, it's, it's beautiful and you can feel the weight of it when you handle it. Yeah. So if that's the kind of bronze you're looking at, there's even, kudos. A, uh, to complicate things further, <laughs> there's even a white bronze <laughs> from Rocky mountain hardware. That's like yeah. one of our favorite finishes for, um, drawers, drawer hardware on kitchens and whatnot. If you're, yeah. if you're cool with spending 100 us dollars per knob, gotcha. Rocky mountain hardware will yeah. make that for you custom forge it in the mountains of Colorado. Yeah. I think and anytime you can get that sand casted and that weight, yeah. like Rocky mountain does it. Ashley Norton is a less expensive option that deals with that same kind of sand casted bronze. Yeah. It's really beautiful and it's, it's authentic and there's several different like colors you can get it, but it is that color through and through. 
Yeah. It's not plated. It's not painted. Yeah. That's what we're just trying to get you to not do what not to do. Yep. Don't do the hollow oiled bronze option at Home Depot. Cheers. Cool. If, if you are on a budget with the actual decor in your home, what items would you say to splurge more on? Other than the hardware and art, like I know y'all have mentioned, example, um, couch versus tables, rug versus chairs, et cetera. Would you focus the majority of the budget on living rooms and do one room at a time or try to spread it evenly and sprinkling good pieces with more affordable pieces? That's a really good question. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I do think over um, a, a table and chairs, I would invest in a sofa because you're going to sit in it longer than you're going to sit and eat a meal. Probably mm -hmm. I would buy that once I'm in my forever house probably, or maybe like it's like your second home that you live in with your family for a long time and you have a lot of memories there and you guys sit down for a lot of meals together. But if I, you're starting out, like you're sort of saying right now, um, I would say really invest in those things that are going to make you comfortable in your home, your sofa, your mattress. Do you know what I mean? You want to yeah. sleep well, you want to live well, and there's not a lot of dining chairs that you want to just sit and stay forever. There are, but they're like $2,000 a piece and you're not in the place to do something like that right now. Um, I remember like when I was helping my sister, like with her last home, uh -huh. right? She had a lot of like her little kids, soccer players coming over all the time. And like we did a really, a nice table that she still has today. Mm -hmm. We invest in the table, but those chairs at that time, she got at world market mm -hmm. and they were cheap. And they, of course they didn't last for a terribly long time, but by the time she was ready to like upgrade her home, we upgraded her chairs yeah. to something great. And those got hammered. So that was a good, but she still has the same table yeah. from modern history and it's still beautiful. So pretty. It's so, so, so pretty. And like, I would say the same thing, like even with like sectionals, like, afford the best you can mm -hmm. now and just know that it's it you might replace it i think that's the thing that i think people forget is just like things you're gonna have to replace stuff yeah. there's some things that's why i think i like art so damn much is because like no one's sitting on it mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so walk, it's something yeah. it's my evergreen right mm -hmm. but like i think like hand-knotted rugs are the things that like you don't have to replace yeah. right yeah but, like for my sister again she afforded the best sectional she could at that point it got worn. It got yeah, really worn by all those soccer players and her kids and everything. And so in her next house, we got her a nicer upgrade that she's not going to have to replace yeah. for a really long time. Yeah. She's at a sure. different phase. And so I think just afford the best that you can on the stuff that you're going to be interacting with. Totally. Like you said. Well, we always, we all value something different, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, the person that we're answering this question to, maybe you are an entertainer. Mm -hmm. Maybe you love to to like throw dinners and have people over mm -hmm. and that table is really important to you. It's going to be more important to you than your seat. So this is just like, we're just giving you advice, but we don't know what you value and what's super important to your life. Um, like I know one of the first pieces I bought when I opened our furniture store was, you know, a hand knotted rug. I'd never had one before. And, um, it's a beautiful one from Thomas O'Brien. I still have it. I still love it. I would still recommend it to people in their homes. Mm -hmm. It's never gone out of style. Um, I, in the other homes I've seen us put similar rugs in clients' homes, I still love their rugs. Even though we can't get them anymore, I'm like, oh, that's such a good rug, you know? So, so rugs are valuable. If you have a chance to buy one in a good deal or, or an estate sale, definitely like invest in a rug you know, because that's like your biggest piece of art in the room. It's your ground and it's going to make your room overall look really stylish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it, yeah, it makes everything else look better. Just like you said, mm -hmm. it upgrades everything. Yeah. So the rug, what other little bits? She did ask a question on like, should you focus one room at a time or like kind of do bits and pieces of rooms? Is it maybe the same thing? Like, I think you have to do bits you, and pieces because you want a nice it bed. It depends on your personality, nice. but you know, you're, she's probably not working with a designer. And so you're just going to, as you find it or you run into it or you fall in love with something, you're just going to rescue it, you know, because it's like right in front of you and you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. That's I'm doing my it. collection. Yeah, it's yeah. happening. I'm buying a headboard, even though I'm working on my living room or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, I don't think I'd want a client to just like completely just do one room and like be on mm -hmm. cinder blocks in her bedroom. No, yeah. You know, like yeah. you, yeah. When you find it, don't hesitate. Yep. Yep. Cool. The next I don't one. feel like you have to fill up everything. Yeah. 
I think that that's dumb because then you stop seeing it and then you're like living with mediocre furniture for a long time. Yeah. Like point. don't just leave, fill a leave, hole. Leave the gap until you're ready to fill it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. But have the pieces that are there worth. Wow. Yeah. Makes sense. What are your thoughts about built-in cabinets in place of closets slash walk-in closets? I really dislike closets with their bulky walls and doors bulky walls, doors, and poor lighting. And in our bedrooms, I would prefer a wall of built-ins instead of walk-in closets like they have in Europe. I would rather make use of the bright lighting within the bedroom itself. What is your view on general cost comparisons and marketability for future resale and do's and don'ts to consider? Well, that is 10 questions. No, I'm just so like, buckle let me your seatbelt. Dissect. Um, you know, we are, we're building for people that have a budget to do whatever they want. So we always do, we always do um, a closet because we have the ability to build square footage. So Mm -hmm. if you're limited on space, Suzanne, you've got a small bedroom and you don't have a very big closet. Why don't you tell them what you're doing? Cause I think it's kind of this, this idea. Yeah. And and like you said, I'm like in Europe, you see this a lot where they have like wardrobes Mm -hmm. and things to help facilitate their inventory, right? All their closet stuff. I have this like gold shelf. We have a closet, but then I have this gold shelf in my bedroom that I actually stack. It's really pretty. Like mm-hmm. and so it's pretty. tall and it's the same height as my doors. And it's open. So it feels grand. It's but I have just like things. Just like sides. I have scarves on it. And I have mm-hmm. like a couple dresses hanging from it. And I just kind of make it just like a style moment. It's a very functional thing. I have to have it. Yeah. Um, but in this case, in this like cavity that I have, our closet's small. Do I occupy basement closets as well? Sure do. There's not enough room in there, but the stuff that I'm currently wearing, I kind of rotate it out and I make that, that open kind of, you might have a closed wardrobe that's really beautiful or a built-in. You could do the same kind of thing with where you're actually displaying your bags, your shoes, Mm -hmm. just make it a moment, make a statement about it. And I think it'll make sense in your space if that's what you crave and what you value. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to just be a bulky walk-in closet that you're tripping on stuff everywhere. Like if there's beautiful things to display, um, that's what I do. I have my purses and I have yeah, hats and scarves and things like flourished on it. And I actually didn't, I thought it was okay. And then Jess is like, what's that pan over to the corner of your closet. That's really oh, great. Pretty, I'm like, Oh, really, so really I've really looked at beautiful. it differently ever since. Cause I think you're always your own, your own, your worst critic, right? Mm-hmm. Your own worst critic. Anyway. And I was just like, thanks Jess. Yeah. It's not so bad. So I take pride in it. And I'm just like, okay, so let's rotate that out. Yeah, yeah. It's just this really romantic wardrobe situation. And it's not like yours is a built-in, like she's talking about here. Yours is a freestanding brass shelf mm-hmm. and it's just loaded up with stacks yeah. of denim and sweaters and all the things. And it's yeah. practical and you can see it. And yeah, it'd be so easy to put away laundry. You don't have to open anything or put it on a hanger. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have dressers and things like that. So you're probably going to, if you're, if you're not wanting to do that whole closet thing, you're probably going to have other places to have store. A dresser. What's your TV on? I have a dresser on our dresser. Yeah. So you have, you a, have a TV. You have a dresser. You have a, not a walk-in closet, but like a sliding door closet. Sliding door closet. And then all three of our rooms have that. And there's no, we don't have any other word to like even grow yeah. in this current house. And so, yeah, you have to kind of improvise. When was your house make built? Make it be just 71. Yeah. So seventies, they didn't have very many clothes then. They didn't need them. Shoot. They were cowboys then. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay. She has a lot of other questions. No, um, I have get down. possibly an answer on the general cost comparisons and marketability for future resale. Great. Let's have it. Love that. Go. This is my, this is an issue that I've thought about multiple times. Like they really appraise homes. Like it's just not efficient because they'll be like, it's this. this yeah. <laughs> like it's this square feet and it's in this area. So it's worth this much, but they don't take an account like for the things that are in the home. So whether that's like finish work or built in cabinetry. And I kind of had like a thought when I was redoing my kitchen in my old home, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it exactly how I want to do it. And it was green and I don't know, kind of like punky a little bit. And I was like, it's cool to me. And some people were like, you probably should do white. Some family members, friends, uh, you probably should do white. Cause then people will love it when you go to resale. And I was like, yeah, but I won't love it. And I don't ha- I, you can't sell your home to a hundred people. You sell it to one person. So if you do stuff that you love for your home and when you do go to sell it, there's going to be the person that values that and wants to buy your home. Yeah. 
you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's if it's like, done in good taste. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And I think yeah. back to her question about the closet, um, as far as general cost comparisons, yada, yada, yada. I really think that if you do have a big, amazing closet, like some of these closets we built for our clients, the likability of that house is going to go up for the woman who I think is probably going to make the biggest decision. fashionable man. Yeah. So yeah, super fashionable man, right? He's going to want that closet because he's a, he's a shoe. No, what do they call him? (laughs) No. Sneakerhead. Sneakerhead. We did, we did, um, Rudy Gobert's house and he had a, um, two massive closets Mm -hmm. and he was single and he had a bathroom and these closets were on opposite sides. And in one closet, he had all of his dressy stuff. And the other one was all of his sporty stuff, you know, and he filled these spaces and it was so awesome. I was so happy for him, but I just think that everybody's going to live better. They're going to like it better. I would think even if your house doesn't appraise more, people are going to be attracted to it because we want to live like that. So I don't think it's a waste of money. Now, of course we don't live the way that this listener does when, when he asked this question. Um, so, you know, you probably maybe live in a town where there's not a lot of big closets. And so this wardrobe idea that he's having is a great one because it's overall storage. Right. And people Mm -hmm. love storage. Um, we love a big closet. And so I think, you know, it'd be thrilling to walk through a home if you were in the market yeah. to be buying a new house and you see a big closet and you're like, oh my gosh, this is my dream. I, actually have, I could have an inch between every one of my like shirts. A Prada, Prada yeah. store, two inch, two inch rule. Yeah. It'd be so fun. Uh, I love it. Like there have been some people that have turned a, like a second or third bedroom. Mm-hmm into a closet yeah, and that's like get, just getting rid of a bedroom. So therefore your house is worth less, but someone's going to walk through that home when you're selling it and be like, that's amazing that they did that. We have to have this house. Right. You know what I mean? Therefore it's creating value for someone. It's not creating value for the mass public, mm-hmm. but that's, you can't sell your home to the mass public. No, nope. You can only sell it to one person. Yeah. So. And again, back to the thing, anything done in good taste, if you had this rad wall of built-ins, it was like very curated and very like, Oh, Tom Ford or whatever your style is, if it was done in good taste, I, it'll resell. Mm-hmm. It'll sell. And you tell that story when you're, when you're staging it. Yeah. And you get to live like that. And that's where you want to live. Shoot, it's girl. your house. Go for it. Yeah. Ready to move on to the next Have one. Yep. Next one. Yes, cool. we're ready. As dining room tables get bigger, what is a cool, fresh way to style the surface? Can you treat it like a pedestal entry table? Or like console? Um, it just depends. Do you use this dining table? Um, because if you don't use it, like a lot of people don't use their dining rooms, then yeah, you could style the heck out of it like you would Ginger on jars and collections on a center bowls. hall table. Yeah, you could do all the things to Arctic it. Arctic chokes and pears and other things. Just spread it spread all over the place. Yeah, go crazy. I know. I, if it is something, a lot of the big round tables we're using are off of like the kitchen and the great room. And that's like where... They're actual fan. They're like 60, 72, 84. Um, and usually we're doing something that's like 84. She's saying inches round. 84 inches round. Mm-hmm. 84, people. 84 inches round is usually like the max on like a table that you can buy from a store. Yeah. Right? That's not custom. It's not custom. Anyway. 84 is going to fit eight people, 10 people. I think you can fit eight around to 72. Yeah. yeah. So 84 would be mm-hmm. 10. 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nine, nine really comfortably, depending on the chair. But mm-hmm. anyway, but on the surface of that, we would do something generous, like either like a large floral, you know, or greenery, or like that paired with like a bowl, you know, that you fill with fruit or something, just so it stays like relatively low, so you're not blocking the view of the people that are dining. So it just depends on if it's like everyday dining or if it's more formal. If yeah. it's more formal and you're not using it every day, yeah, go crazy. Mm-hmm. Collect away, my friend. Yeah. But Yeah. Any other thoughts? Fresh ways. Do you guys consider like the accessories that you're like the you're using when doing when styling dining? Yeah, like yeah. you like, wouldn't put like right. So like the I center hall table, books. you're gonna have like boxes and books and candles and stuff like that. I think in a dining setting, you don't want a scented candle because you're gonna be pairing it with food, mm-hmm. and and also you're not gonna want like you know, a little squatty candle that sits in our crystal candle dish. You're going to want the tall candlesticks because that's more elegant for dining. like the crystal, the crystal candlesticks. Or we have like little votives, which you would kind of chase down the table. And um, we have these big, beautiful center hall, these big, beautiful center um, 
marble bowls. You could fill it with green apples or pears or something like that. So it just looks stunning. Um, and depending on if you're going to have a party, how you're going to party, you might do something down the entire center of the table. So everybody gets to appreciate the freshness of whatever floral you're coming in with like little lit votives. But I think for every day, you're not going to set it up like you're like a party's about to begin for every day. You might just have a few, a collection of the, a few of these things in the middle of the table, and then you could spread them out. Maybe some of the things are on your dining console behind and then you could spread them out onto the table. Maybe your console's full of different types of decor. You've got napkin rings and cloth napkins and candlesticks and, you know, candles that don't smell, uh, tapers and chargers you know, and all that. All the yeah. things you want. Yeah. It's so fun. And then just depending on, you know, if you're throwing a baby shower or a birthday or or it's a holiday or maybe it's Valentine's Day and you have all your girlfriends coming over, then you're gonna pull out whatever's appropriate and go mm -hmm. crazy on the siding then. But yeah. I think leave it you know, like somewhat Be effortless with it. Yes, it, for sure. It, effortless. Yeah. And don't overdo it. Cause I feel like, like for us right now, as we're doing work and we're getting it published, the one thing the publishing agents are saying to us is glam is out. Do don't, not don't make it look glam. Do yeah. not over decorate. Do not over style. You want to make it look effortless undone. The, the pillows on the sofa should not be heavily karate chopped. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everything needs to be a little bit looser. And so when I'm like more picturing like there. a dining table with a dining room, you don't want it to be overly glamorous and overly styled. You want it to be believable. Yeah. You might not have like a full ginger jar. You might have like a low or something and you're just going to get some branches. You're going to throw it in there effortlessly. And you might have a bowl with like seasonal fruit in it, but it mm -hmm. needs to like be believable for the season in which you're living in. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, be that just like an actual seasonal, like weather. You know, mm -hmm. what is the weather doing and how does that reflect in your home? Also with how your family lives. If you have a lot of little kids, that might not be believable to have all your crystal candles yeah. sticks up 24 hours a day, you know, make it feel a little bit more effortless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The next one, are there circumstances where you don't need window treatments? Hmm. Say like a round window, like you have steel windows, you don't, I'm just kidding. That would be oh. awful. Oh. Hold on. What do you mean by steel windows? We're working on a home in Odessa right now and there are like still those windows. factory windows. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rat, it's a rad house and like hundreds of thousands of dollars in just yeah. windows. Mm. Yeah. The architect was crazy. A really fun architect anyway. Yeah. But, but even, even then, but I think the window treatments, it, we love the look of a window treatment. I do think it just like finishes off everything. Mm -hmm. And like, even in this like room, that's, as these still windows, we're doing something that's just kind of like sheer and long just to soften things. Mm -hmm. um, spots where we don't need window treatments would be if you don't have privacy. If you don't, privacy is not an issue. You, well, kitchen windows. <laughs> yeah. Like, kitchen windows, you don't have to. Yeah. And Typically. like, bath, do you do them in bathrooms? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, Shoot, yeah. yeah. We do a little Roman. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or a cafe curtain. Yeah. yeah. Cafe you curtain if you're taking Rachel's. a bath. Mm -hmm. So people can't see you taking a bath. You know what I'm saying? So it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Pri privacy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But even I'm trying to just like go back in time to all the clients that we've ever had. Uh -huh. And even in the spaces that like where privacy isn't an issue, um, they love their windows. They love their views. Having something still there is desired. I think mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Or else would you not do a window treatment, Jess? I have a tiny round window in my living room, but it's like, you can see out to the porch, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put a treatment on that. Yeah. If it's an odd shape window, right? Like yeah. an arch, you, a window treatment's not going to fit. You could do draperies on the sides of it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes those big, huge walls of windows that people have at the back of their great room, mm -hmm. it's just like a series, a grid of tons of windows that reach up to the ceiling. Sometimes people leave those undraped. Mm -hmm. It's it's costly yeah, it's to drape it. It's architecturally interesting. And really interesting. you're just like seeing the beautiful green view out your back or the fall view or something like that. So generally that doesn't even have shades on it or draperies depending on your style. Yeah. Yeah. I always, it goes back to your style. If yeah. you're layered, you're going to like window treatments, even if it's just a light sheer. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think Does that's that answer it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. This next one's, I think is a good question. Good. Would love your perspective on a healthy general contractor slash designer relationship. Who is responsible for what? 
Mm-hmm. I like that question. Like that. Depends Very on who good. your GC is, actually. Yeah, I think it's good to establish that even up front to sort of say, like one of our biggest um, hangups right now with some builders is like we designed the whole house, right? And then we hand it off to the builder and we hold his hand to make sure he's doing it as we specified. Um, w- the only way the interior designer is making money, or in our case, is we're making money on our time and we make money on the furnishings. And then lighting is this huge gray area. We generally make money on this, on the chandeliers, the sconces, um, any ceiling light that is hardwired, not the can lights. Mm-hmm. Some builders are saying, oh, no, no, no. I have those same accounts. You can just use them and there's no markup involved. I don't know why anybody would do all of the work to order a light, to track it, to get it here, to make sure that there's down rods to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And not want to make a profit on it. So it's sort of ruining, it's really softening that market to where there's not very much integrity. If they do that, we've only run into this a couple of times, a couple of times. Generally they they let the, the designer make the money off of the lighting fixtures that they're specifying. The builder's going to make money on everything else. I think that that's the health, that's the health in the relationship, right? Is to talk, have a designer and a builder that can talk transparent, transparently with each other mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Cause that is something that we talk about. We meet with the, the whole team, the mm-hmm. homeowner, the architect, the designer, the, you know, landscape will all like kind of meet and then we'll kind of understand who's doing what at what timeline. Right. Right. How do we need to work with one another to like have a successful project? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's usually like, if you can have kickoffs like that, so that everybody has everybody's number in their phone and they can work and talk to each other like very openly, um, things get solved quicker. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on the same page. Um, and with the GC, you're communicating to them, you know, this is like in our scope of services, you know, we're going to specify, we're going to do all the interior drawings. We're going to do all the cabinetry. When you hand this off to your cabinet maker, we want to see those shop drawings to be able to sign off on that and make modifications. And we want samples to review and approve for the client on site, your painter, same thing. I want samples to review on site. And so if you can like, just be very transparent and the GC is very open to that and wants that relationship with the designer, you're going to have a healthy project, mm-hmm. you know, when they're willing to work with each other. And hopefully you as the homeowner are able to kind of select who your team is mm-hmm. and hopefully they're similar in demeanor. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And can work well with each other. But I think it's important, and this is just what I've learned from dealing with subcontractors and, uh, you know, some general contractors is that they know what it's like to work with a designer because things, some Mm. things are going to be custom and not just so, um, you know, like spec homey. And sometimes a GC, like a general contractor is going to use his subcontractors that he has relationships with. And if he hasn't worked with a designer before, some of his subcontractors are not going to know how to do the work that's going to be specified by a designer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think it's important to work with a general contractor who knows what that's like and has a good book of subcontractors that can get that type of work done. Because if you don't have someone to fulfill the design, at that point, why design it? Yeah. You know? I'll say, oh, go ahead. Well, and hopefully they're, they're open mindset too, mm-hmm. right? Like I know my brother, he does some building and he's like running all over the place. Like my client needs to get some slabs. So I've got to go pick them out. And I'm like, Whoa, whoa why are you picking oh, them boy. out? <laughs> I mean, if they don't have a designer, they need to be picking them out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well, they don't really trust their own taste. So they're having me do it. And I'm like, bro, like you shouldn't have to do that as a builder. You're not even getting paid enough to do that, you know, yeah. on well, this little remodel he's handling or whatever else. And, and so, what if they hate him? Well, that's the thing. You're just like, you got to have somebody that's in charge of making the decisions, mm-hmm. right. And having that's things picked out too. Yeah. Of the whole house. And, and also there's like a really great process that most design firms would have where like at the very beginning of a project after scopes are signed and everybody understands who's doing what, We'll even talk to the builder and say, what programs do you work in so that we can make sure and populate your software with everything we're doing? Or if you don't, then we'll use a Dropbox and we'll put all of these details on a Dropbox. You know how to use Dropbox. Okay, great. Yep. We we know how to talk to each other then. You'll have all these documents uploaded on that. So it's it's a really fascinating thing when you don't use a designer, who's going to do what? Yeah. 
and who's going to hit the deadlines and who's going to drive the project. We know at the beginning, we're going to do the kitchen and the bathroom first. So the very first thing we're going to do is go appliance shopping with the client. We're going to have them work with our rep that knows everything about every brand so they can ask all the questions they want to. This is like usually a two hour meeting so they can choose their stove. You know, Mm -hmm. they can use their dishwashers. They're usually all in the same suite because they have the same handles. Um, same thing with all your plumbing. You need to go in and you need to know what's in your budget. Can you afford Callista? Is it Kohler? Is it Moen? Is it, you know what I mean? We got to know where their price ranges are. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think that, um, a designer's resources are super invaluable because we know how to run the playbook. If you're designing it yourself, you're a good designer. you might be focusing on like the front door and you're like, Oh no, no, no. You got to get that. Those kitchen cabinets in right away. You know, mm-hmm. you got to get cabinet. You got to get appliances on order. Cause they take a year now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think too, for the, just the relationship, um, making sure that your designer and your DC can talk. Yeah. You know what I mean, like when I ask a builder at the very beginning, I'm like, Hey, we just need to have just like your budgets, all the allowances. I need, we need to review that. And they're open with that information. If mm-hmm. you have a builder and you pick the one with the lowest bid, whatever, he might he might be like, it's the designer's fault. She picked out expensive tile. But if you have a good designer, she's redlining those budgets and being like, hey, based off of your Pinterest folder, you're not going to like a three, you know, $5 square foot tile allowance. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, that, that back and forth between the builder and the designer, he needs to be willing to share his timeline. Mm-hmm. We always ask for like the building schedule. We ask for his preferred vendors mm-hmm. so that he, those are his relationships. And like usually the best builders have great relationships mm-hmm. with comparable places that we shop as well. So don't have just like a budget builder with a high-end designer. It's not going to work yeah, at all. You know, like he's used to semi-custom, she's used to custom cabinetry. They're not going to get along. Right. So just make sure that they're in line with each other mm-hmm. and that they're talking and yeah, that your designer's kind of redlining and making sure that his allowances are in, you know, in sync with what your style is and what you're, you're saying you want for this house. Yeah. So. I think scheduled meetings too is good. So then it's always on everybody's calendar. Mm-hmm. Some meetings are only with the client. Most meetings are, but some meetings include the builder mm-hmm. and, and some are on site, you know, to look at four way or to look at this or that. And that he's, comfortable, not just freestyling, but actually calling us and saying, did I, is this right? Am I understanding this right? And that we can really break it down for him. So yeah. communication for yeah. sure. It's nice when people do that. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm like some of the best projects we've been on is when we've had like a weekly call with the build team, mm-hmm. you know, and that way any, any issues are brought to attention. Like, okay, let's put that at the top of our list. We need to make sure we figure out that transition and get you a molding profile. Got it. You know, and you're just going through all your checklists. And so again, it's accountability. Mm-hmm. to one another. And I think that's when the project, like everybody's looking, looking at your project with discerning eyes and yeah. What a mouthful. That's yeah. what makes a good client builder relationship. Know, right? uh, these are awesome question yeah, guys. Thanks really for good. sending them in. And if you have any others, remember to send them to dear Alice at alicelanehome.com. We'll catch you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like our show, please leave a five-star rating. 